There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 976, January 23rd, 2023, Nasser. Thank you, sir. Today we have motorsports from Daytona Beach, Florida, to the French Riviera, and to the streets of St. Petersburg. But wait, there's more. We have a goodie bag featuring Rubber Meets the Road. We shall explain gladly. Back to you, Chief. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Ogier wins the Monte Carlo Rally. The Saudis, they want to buy Formula One. Acura beats Porsche for pole at the Daytona 24 Hours. This week, we have a feature interview with Wayne Taylor Racing and Michael Andretti, peppered with a couple of drivers like Brendan Hartley, so you'll enjoy that. We also have another young whippersnapper that Nash will introduce when he comes in to the studio. Also, I just want to remind everybody, please, we need your order of the Motorsports Memories 2023 Formula One calendar called Crosstown Traffic. Just click on the F1 Weekly merchandise page. You know, you want to. Nas, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir. Thank you. Um, Saturday morning, I drove to Daytona. Had a great time there. We'll talk a little bit more later what was going on there. And then on Sunday, I went to St. Petersburg, Tropicana Field, and there was this rock karting championship uh, going on. So I had a very good time there also. And next weekend, I will be at the Daytona 24 Hours. And these new cars are beautiful. It's so fantastic to have motorsports in the first month of the year. How are things for Mr. Host on the left coast? Well, the the left coast is pretty happy right now. Now that we've shown the Cowboys how it's done. So, yes, everybody's peppy because the 49ers are going to the NFC Championship. And you know what that means, Nass. One more game and we're in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, we're pretty pumped up in the Palatial Studios. Lots of tailgating. So... Uh, yeah, I wish you were here, Nasser, but that's the way it goes. Yes, sir. Well, you know, normally we do famous last words. Today I thought we should do something different and start with famous first words. Listen to what the man said. Wise words from Mr. Wolf. He said, and I quote, The most important factor is his personality. He is a well-mannered, intelligent, and talented young man. If you look at his junior career, he was very good. 
I believe if you give him a safe environment to develop, he can become a good racer in a permanent seat. End quote. And that was Toto talking, not about LCH or Clark Rogers, but about SCH, as in Mick Schumacher. Now Mick Schumacher is a very nice kid and we wish him well. Let's take a quick look at his journey to Formula 1. Mick took two years to win Formula 3 championship, same number of years as Lewis Hamilton did, and another two years to win the Formula 2 championship. In his two years in Formula 2, he took three wins and, shockingly, no pole position. Mick scored 215 points to take the championship in his second season against a rookie who had three wins and finished third in the championship, and the rookie was only 15 points behind Mick. You may ask yourself, who is this rookie? The answer may surprise you. Yuki Sonoda which Mr. Rogers basically means either Sonoda is very good or Mick Schumacher is no JFK. But as they say at American Express, membership in Lucky Sperm Club has privileges. Do you agree with Mr. Toto or you have your own French flair on this? I completely agree with Toto. The kid is very nice. He's friendly. He's intelligent. I mean, my God, he is the child of a seven-time world champion, Michael Schumacher. And he's got great parents, great grandparents, well brought up. I mean, all of it is very factual. I'm just saying nobody saw what we saw in 91 in a Jordan. I mean, nobody saw the je ne sais quoi, the, the talent oozing out of the car. I mean, I see it. There's a lot of kids that with training will become great drivers. I mean, there's no doubt. Let's put it this way. Let's say guitar playing. There are some guitarists with good lessons and continued to practice every day will become pretty damn good guitar players. And then you have other artists, well, they don't have to take all the lessons because they just show up and they go whammo and it's Jimi Hendrix. So yes, there are natural talents and then there are good studious students of the craft. That's my opinion, Nasser. Well, you know, maybe you should send him a package of uh, a Fender guitar and give him some advice to start practicing on while my horse gently weeps. That's very good. He may, be, he may become very good. No, you're right. Um, if you look at the drivers, the fastest driver in Formula 1 and the slowest, if you put them all in the same car, I think the difference is going to be no more than a second or 1.2. Latifi is not going to be three seconds slower than Max Verstappen if they were in the same car. That's what I think. So all these guys who make it there, and you know, it's easy for us to make fun. Took three years to win Formula 2 or whatever. But those are the requirements to succeed in Formula 1. But still, these guys are very good. And Toto, if, if he's willing to give him the time and nurture him, then maybe he can start winning races like Botas and Damon Hill may end up as a world champion. But man, when you have people like Max and the Lewis and the Alonzos of the world, it is very hard to win the championship in Formula One. That's what I'm saying. Okay, sir. And you know, his biggest disadvantage is his papa set the bar so high for him that it's just i feel sorry for mick that's all i can say but we wish him well and everybody all the best okay sir now we are going to move to miami nice several major changes are being made on and off the track 
at the Miami International Autodrome, according to the organizers. I was there last year, and it was a big, big success. Around 250,000 spectators over the weekend around the Hard Rock Stadium. As I said after the race, the fake marina is better than some real marinas. This year the race will take place on the first weekend of May. For the 2023 Miami Grand Prix, upgrades will include paddock expansion and circuit resurfacing. As far as the common man in Miami is concerned, a serious downgrade in ticket pricing is required. And the paddock is now called Team Village and will be located inside the stadium, basically on the football pitch. So that will be a first in Formula One. Are you looking forward to the second Miami Grand Prix, Senor? Yes, I thought it was pretty hilarious last year. I don't think they'll get the amount of celebrities. I mean, it was jam-packed. When when you have a lot of celebrities, then there's a lot of bodyguards, and it's a big mess. But uh, yes, very successful, very exciting. And it's the precursor to Las Vegas. You know, Miami is wild and crazy. We're slowly building up. And of course, Austin will be sort of like the normal kind of Formula One race. And then when we hit Vegas, all bets are off. It's going to be decadent and terribly, terribly burdened with lots of sin. You know, another gentleman, and you are a gentleman, so I'm saying another gentleman who can appreciate less bodyguards is Martin Brundle. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I tip my hat to Megan the Stallion. Exactly. And, you know, May is the month of Indianapolis 500 and also uh, the Miami Grand Prix, so I have to decide sooner or later which way I will go, but uh, we'll see how it works out. Next, sir, we're moving on to a news item which turned out to be fake news. Porsche paying for Williams. That was the rumor of the week, which has now been denied by Williams although they remain open to possible engine collaboration deal with anyone who wants. Rumors are now circulating about the Blue Oval as a potential partner. Last year, Porsche tried to do a deal with Red Bull, but realized Dr. Marco and Mr. Horner are not running a Burger King franchise. They are the big whoppers of Formula One, but do not offer have-it-your-way option. And Mr. Rogers, I am hoping... Honda gives up on their in-and-out of Formula 1 strategy and stay in the game for the long haul. One positive is they, meaning Honda, have signed up for the 2026 engine regulations. And there is more hope, just in case, if Michael Andretti's Caddyshack program does not work out, I think Honda collaborating with the Andretti F1 team would be a mega deal. It will shut up all those who are against his efforts to get into Formula 1, which is really based on nothing but greed. The two sides already have a successful collaboration in IndyCar racing. U.S. is a huge market for Honda, and the press and goodwill they will get from this collaboration will be priceless. Question for you is, do you think Michael Andretti will get a a slot in Formula 1? It's a tough call. I think it's 50-50 right now. Because everybody has to be unanimous. FIA, all the teams in Formula One. So that's a tough nut to crack. And they're still expanding. Andretti Autosport is now merging with Wayne Taylor Racing to get involved in IMSA. So 
pretty exciting stuff. Andretti Autosport will be running a Ligier in uh, in the proper class this weekend coming up in the 24 hours of Daytona. So it's exciting. I hope he makes it. They are pretty spread out. I mean, Formula E, IndyCar, now IMSA, Formula One. I don't know. Like Carl Sagan said, billions and billions is needed. Well, he has the resources. There is no question about it. Resources, the right people, and most important, the desire to make something happen. You know, he's not Eddie Irvine running around from one party to another. So um, I think he will get the slot. You know, there is this um, Chinese businessman from Hong Kong. Um, he has this uh, business called for Formula One Panthera Racing. Apparently, he has those billions and billions that Carl Sagan used to talk about. So one of them will get a slot, but I think they they should not have a problem having 12 teams. So it will be very, very nice to see that happen. Okay, sir. As we all know, there are more lawyers in America than 7-Eleven. So our next item is defreeze Freeze in the Docket. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do when F. Lee Bailey comes for you? In the nick of time, a lawsuit has been filed against the second Dutch Grand Prix driver on the 2023 grid. One of his backers from his Formula 2 days is claiming that since Nick was an F1 driver in 2022, he is entitled to 50% of his earnings. Nick was loaned just over $250,000 to get a seat in Formula 2, which would have been forgiven as per terms of the contract if he did not become an F1 driver by the end of 2022. That very impressive Monza debut is becoming very costly. The plaintiff in this case is Dutch real estate businessman Jeroen Schothorst. First we had Piastri fiasco, now this. These days there is more action in Formula 1 off the track than on the track. Hopefully before the season starts, the legal beagles from both sides will land on some sort of settlement. One positive for Nick is, he can reach out to a fellow driver on the grid who has a lot of experience in negotiating, getting in and out of deals. Gracias muchachas. What say you, senor? Well, these things happen. It's a contract. Listen, his buddy is... Toto. So Toto is just going to get his little checkbook out. I mean, for him, 250000 that's what he paid for the chicken coop that's in his backyard. It's interesting. He has paid a lot of money back in interest, but it's one of those things, you know. Uh, my, uh, Eddie Jordan lost Michael Schumacher to Benetton because the contract uh, he sent to Michael Schumacher management said after the first race he will sign the contract. Michael Schumacher's management, Mr. Willie Weber, or somebody in his legal group, changed the word from T-H-E to a, uh, so it became, after the first race, Michael Schumacher will sign a contract, and that was held up in court that it does not say he will sign this contract or the contract with Jordan. So it's good to have uh, high-powered lawyers in your side, on your side. So we'll see how this thing works out. Oh, this is my favorite item for the week. Ferrari truck for sale. The Ferrari that got Alain Prost fired, which was also raced by Jean Alessi in 1991, 
is up for auction and is expected to fetch between 3 to $3.4 million. And this is the Ferrari 643, which was uh, raced uh, through the 1991 season. And the relationship between Alain Prost and Scuderia was not very good at that time. And then came the event that broke the camel's back. And he said at that time, and this has been quoted in many ways, but he is reported as saying at that time, and I quote, Competing in a Grand Prix in these conditions is very trying. I did not feel like an F1 driver, because a good truck driver with big arms could have done just as well. End quote. And of course, that did not go down very well. I think Cesare Fiorio, Fiorio was the team manager of Ferrari at that time. That Ferrari 643 was designed by American Steve Nichols, who was also involved in the design of Senna's 1988 McLaren, and by Adrian Newey of France, Monsieur Jean-Claude Mijot, who is a very well-known aerodynamist in the world of Formula One. And Mr. Rogers, I saw this beautiful car once. It's a very simple design and it's beautiful. I once saw this car at the Museum of Modern Arts, a.k.a. MoMA, in New York City. I know my friend of mine, had. I was in New York City, and um, my friend had called me from California saying you should go and check this car out. And I don't know if it was for a temporary display or it's still there, but it was a beautiful machinery. Nothing says performance more than a blood-red Ferrari. What say you? Very true, very true, yes. Alan Prost. You're fired. So, but that's okay. I mean, he's a tough guy. Alan Prost is the machismo. Yeah, he has two more championships than your machismo. That's okay. We're all machismo together in this world. Yes. And speaking of machismo, what are you expecting this guy to do this year? I mean, we know what he can do, but taking into account the package he has, what do you think your hombre can do? Well, apparently, his feedback is causing a frenzy at the factory and they're all pumped up because they have what you call Fernando fever. And once you get the fever, it gets pretty exciting. Ask Flavio. But no, Aston Martin is saying that the car is 95% new, different, more machismo and loaded. And now listen, it's an Aston Martin. So apparently it's loaded with secret special features. So when they're going to be passing on a chicane and he's next to LCH, he's going to push a button and those funny things are going to come out of the wheel, like in the movies, and make sure that LCH stays out of his way as he's taking the lead in the championship. So it's going to be funny stuff. There's going to be a lot of laughing at Aston Martin Sort of like George Kittle. Interesting. You know, the feature he really needs, he, he just needs one button. As soon as he presses, Max Verstappen's Red Bull breaks down in two laps. That's when everybody else will have a hope of winning a race this year, I think. Do you think this will be... You know, it's interesting on the web. People are putting all sorts of graphics and references to this and that, that Mercedes has found in the new engine, new package, and horsepower... Red Bull has found something else. Alpine is where they were. And Ferrari magically has found 30 more horses, prancing horses. Uh, do you think we're going to have a runaway championship? <laughs> well, I do. And it's going to be very familiar to everybody. 
the season will be peppered with wonderful moments from Fernando and some of his buddies like LCH. But yes, I mean, we're Red Bull is going to come out extremely fast. That's going to be the story, and everybody's going to be going. And then all of a sudden, LCH is probably going to tell Toto, I think that the ghost is back. Well, you know, I am hoping that uh, Ferrari can mount a season-long challenge, and they need to have a first three races like they did last year. They don't have to win the first two or the three races, but be very strong contenders. And if Max is going to win the first three races, then I just don't see Ferrari and everybody else having the the gusto to go after this guy and take over the lead. Stranger things have happened, but um, the way I look at it is this thing. I mean, we all know we will, they will never be all cars equal, but even if all cars are equal, Max will still have an advantage, I think. So we'll see how this thing work out. Work out. And, you know, we're just a few weeks away now from the start of the preseason testing. There's only one preseason testing this year, three days in Bahrain, and then we go motor racing. So I'm really looking forward to it. Outstanding, Nasser. Outstanding. Now I know you have a lot of things to talk about when you went to Daytona. So we're going to put that in the MM. So I'm thinking, why don't we take a quick break? Then we'll come back with some interviews of Michael Andretti, and then we'll throw it all back to you, Nasser. Yes, good idea, sir. So we'll be back after this brief message. Okay, folks, I'm here at Le Mans with Narain Kartikeyan from India. Narain, thank you for your time. How are you today, sir? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a baptism of fire, Le Mans, the, for a rookie. Uh, it's pretty daunting, but uh, I'm up for the challenge. Uh, obviously, the R10 is a successful car. Maybe not the quickest on the circuit, but uh, has a lot of good reliability. So, I mean, really looking forward to driving the Audi R10 for the 24 hours, and uh, we will be... Uh, keenly watched from India. We have a lot of support and um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, the first Indian to be driving here and uh, this is a great opportunity and um, I'll try and do the best I can. What is the biggest ad- uh, adjustment you are facing or challenge in adjusting because most of your background is open wheel racing? Yeah, single seater has been my my key uh, you know racing for a long time but uh, this is my second race in this in this category but the, nothing prepares you for the lama unless you do it and for, you know the next time you do it you'll be more experienced and uh, that could be the first year is always going to be the most difficult one and how did this deal come about did dr colin Collis call you or you approach them can you give us a little background please well, I've, I've known uh, Dr. Collis for a long time uh, in my Formula 1 days and Formula 3 days. So, um, uh, obviously, uh, we kept in touch and uh, when the opportunity came up, he gave me a call and, uh, uh, you know, who would want, nobody would uh, want to race this offer to drive the R10, so I was here. Now, you talk about support in India. There's a Formula 1 race coming up there. Uh, how big is the interest in motor racing among general public? I mean, will we see an average Indian more interested in Formula 1 than cricket in the next few years? Well, that's a long, long shot, but uh, what I can tell you is there's a lot of interest in Formula 1 and um, and motor racing, you know, whole A1GP also because we, we are a front-running team, the, the a one Team India, so there's a lot of following and there's a lot of support for me as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it should never be as popular as cricket uh, because cricket is uh, they say it's a religion in India. But uh, yeah, Formula One and other forms of motorsport are getting the decent exposure, and uh, 
uh, I think uh, just uh, I think in the near future we'll have a lot of lot more uh, Indian drivers coming into the international racing scene. You mentioned A1 GP. You have a, the car is very nice looking, light blue color. It reminds me of the old Matra car, and you had a, your first win in Shanghai, if I if I remember correctly. Yes. How big was that for Indian motorsports and for you personally? Yeah, the the win in, uh, in China gave us a huge boost. Um, that was end of 2007, and then we again won in England in Brands Hatch in uh, in 2008. So that was it was fabulous, and then the economic downturn. We we kind of struggled this year with the finances of the team and everything. But we're trying to restructure it and put it together. And the new A1 GP Ferrari car is awesome uh, to drive, and uh, we we are, we are um, hopefully going to get a, a strong team put together for the for the forthcoming season. When you first moved from India to England, I believe you were with Carlin Motor Racing team. Um, what was the? Were you surprised at the difference in? Obviously, the depth of competition was greater, but was was there a big difference in the competitiveness of racing drivers from what you were used to in India and Southeast Asia? Sure, I was uh, uh, racing in England uh, before I raced in Asia, so I knew what to expect. But my big break was, uh, I think, the confidence and and everything came when I won in Formula Three in England. Uh, all the great drivers, Adam Senna, so many of them have graduated through the British Formula Three Championship. And I went about one and one some races there, competing with Sato, Jensen Button, and beating them in occasions. I think that gave me the confidence uh, to go to the next level. And uh, I then I definitely thought I had a crack at Formula One. And then and then uh, the the dream came true in 2005. Now, if I remember, there was a quite a bit of uh, exchange of words between your camp and the team. Uh, there was some tension. Uh, looks like they were trying to get rid of you, or whatever it was. Uh, what happened there? If you could talk a little bit about there, please. Well, uh, I I don't know. I mean, uh, it's just some speculation, and uh, I think it got all out of proportion. But we, as I told you, we had a great relationship with the, with the team, and and that's all I can say. Okay. Now you had a huge crash. I was watching this race live in China. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a long time ago, but I uh, just got it wrong, and the tires were not up to temperature, and had a crash. So it wasn't nothing too just dramatic from the outside, but not from the inside. Okay, another uh, reference to in the media. Media may say something that you may not say. There was there were also some reports that you don't want to drive for Vijay Malia's team because it's a back of the bus operation. Any truth to that report? No, I mean I said what I have to say because um, you know they didn't want me. And uh, I, I, it wasn't that I was going and asking for a drive, anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he kept referring to uh, that, you know, Karun and I are not good enough or whatever. So again, it it got out of proportion in the media because you say something and it's not portrayed, you know, in the in that manner and it's kind of speculated. So. It uh, kind of um, uh, when it comes up, it feels really dramatic, but it's not that bad to be honest. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and that's why I'm asking you. Okay, now what is the game plan for next season? If you have some agenda going on right now, if you could talk about it, please. Well, the management is trying to do something, um, and all you know, we keep everything open, and uh, you know, NASCAR is a possibility as well. So you're making history everywhere, man. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. In now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the King, the Guru himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. And the world and motorsports is spinning around Daytona International Speedway this weekend and also next weekend. And you know, all these cars are so beautiful. BMW has a car, Acura, 
Cadillac. It's just fantastic to see all these cars go at high speed. And you know, on Saturday when I was there, I was there a late night, not late night, but after the sun went down and lights came out. First time I think I saw motor racing at night and it was very nice. It was raining also, so it was very mixed bag. So what do you have for us, sir, with Michael Andretti and Wayne Taylor? Okay, thank you, Nasser. Well, we have an interview from the press to Michael Andretti. Andretti talks about them getting into IMSA, joining forces with Wayne Taylor Racing. And, of course, there's a couple of drivers that talk about what they will be contributing to the Andretti organization. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, We're pleased to have a... a, a uh, Star-studded cast here on the stage uh, from uh, Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport, both the uh, the GTP team as well as the, the GTD team. So drivers in the number 10 team as listed on the entry list, not, not necessarily as you see them on the stage, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, Louis Delatraz, and Brendan Hartley. The co-drivers of the number 93 Racers Edge Motorsport with WTR Andretti, uh, Ashton Harrison, Danny Formal, Kyle Marcelli, and Ryan Briscoe. And, of course, we have uh, the, the team uh, co-owners of what WTR Andretti, Wayne Taylor, and Michael Andretti. In the interest of uh, keeping things moving, I'll ask, opener, I'll ask an opener for Wayne and for, and for Michael, and then we'll roll into questions. So with that, Wayne, um, obviously big group here, as we see. And a lot of big news uh, this offseason with your uh, partnership with, uh, with Michael. Tell us a little bit about how that came together and what you think your chances are here at uh, Daytona with the group that you have on stage, both groups. Yeah, well, it, um, it started early on in the year, Michael, and I started talking. And um, it became evident um, when we came to do the test here, the first, I think, um, test, when I think we had 91 people around the car. And I was walking up and down the pit and thinking, what the heck am I going to do here? We need to step up to the next level. And I called Michael and I said, I think I'm ready to do this partnership. And um, I think it took about a week. And Michael and JF and Rob flew down and we literally um, did it there and then. And obviously, you know, lawyers get involved, so it took, it took us a longer time. To, to compete now against Ganassi and Penske and everybody else, we just felt that we needed to have a partnership with someone who, who could bring us bring a lot to the table although we've been in sports car racing longer than them they have major assets that that are going to be helping us and are helping us with people and technology and so on and and so far it's been just really fantastic working with michael and the guys and the drivers and um very excited about the long-term future and it's clearly a long-term partnership thanks wayne and and for michael um why was it important to you to get involved in imsa and especially at this level and at this time well, there's no secret that, uh, you know, that was one thing that we felt that was missing from our racing portfolio was uh, racing here in IMSA, and, and especially with uh, all the new rules and, and things with the LMP and GTP cars, it was just a perfect time to get involved. But uh, the question is, how do you get involved? And, uh, you know, we just were being very patient on looking for the right opportunity. And when I got the call from Wayne, it's like, well, Jesus, you can't get into the sport any better than with a team like uh, Wayne Taylor Racing. So it was just one of those marriages made in heaven, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we're really, really excited about this program. We th- we're really excited about the future of it and growing it, and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, one of the mainstays of, uh, of all our series that we're in. If anybody has questions, stick up your hand. We'll get a mic to you. Tebow, we'll start over here. 
Got a mic coming to you. Question for, for both of you. Um, both of you went to Le Mans as, as drivers. Uh, this, this union, do you also have the target to get there, to go there with as a team? 100%. Yeah, that is a definite goal for us. I mean, you know, with our new partners that we have uh, with Andretti Global, we, you know, our goal is to be in every major uh, racing event in the world. And obviously Le Mans is one of the big ones. And, and so down the road, we definitely want to be there. And from my perspective, it's the one it's the one race in the world in sports car racing that we haven't won overall. So um, there's no doubt that this is um, a major focus for all of us here. That's where we want to be. Come up to Graham again. Any other questions? Stick your hand up. We'll get a mic to you. Come up to Graham right, Graham right here. Apologies, gentlemen. It's an expansion on that. One of the routes to Le Mans could be with an expansion for this team into the FI World Endurance Championship. Is that on your radar? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, that's no secret either. I think, you know, we're going to have a, a satellite facility over in, in Europe. We already have one we're setting up, and it's going to be bigger. And, you know, one of the objectives is to hopefully have a WEC uh, team out of there, you know, in the next few years. We'll go to Jenna here. Uh, for Wayne and Michael, I guess, first of all, what does Andretti do for Wayne Taylor Racing? What, what do you bring? And They bring that? everything. A huge name. They've got a huge facility great partners, success. They are as focused and passionate about sports car racing as we are. And as everybody knows, I've focused my career on sports cars. They are just going to elevate. We're just going to elevate. And it's, it is not only good for Michael and I, it's also good for all of our partners, HPD, all our sponsors, all our everything. It's going to be good for everybody because we're just going to raise the game for everybody. And I guess because Andretti already was in Formula E, did that help because they had some... They've already got some experience. All of, all of this stuff is going to help down the road. As you know, this formula has only just started. We started late. But as, as time goes on, all of the um, programs that they were, especially with their Formula E and stuff, there's going to be crossover whichever way you look at this, in every form, crossover with drivers, engineers, technology, and everything. And, Michael, um, you know, is there such a thing as too many series? <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in that. I believe if you have the right people um, in the right positions, uh, it should only help the overall effort. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of things that they do here that I'm sure we're going to look at for our IndyCar programs and our Formula E programs and vice versa. So, um, no, I, I, I just feel it's just strengthened ourselves by doing this. So I don't think we're spreading ourselves too thin. You are if you try to use the same people in every program, but we're getting the, the right people in the right positions and and it's just going to make us stronger, not weaker. How many how many people are you, are you now employing? Good question. How many are we employing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, Travis. Yeah. JF. JF. You said 157, JF? Yeah. I think, Travis, we have a 30. Well, then we also have FE, so, yeah. Quite a few. We're getting up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over to John DeGeese. Uh, Wayne, you haven't hidden the fact that you'd like to expand to a second car in IMSA, or, or is there a active plan for that, and, and there could there be Andretti drivers in, in that second car? Well, obviously, Michael's group and us will discuss all of those things, and, and clearly our motivation is to be a two-car program next year. There's no doubt about that. Additional questions? Come to John Ovitz here. I'll throw one to Ricky and Philippe. Have you noticed any benefits? It's early days, but uh, from the association, and, and what are you hoping for from the link-up with the Andretti organization? Yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting, first of all. I think, the like Dad said, the GTP program is, and the level of all the teams has just gone astronomical. So to be associated with WTR Andretti, it, it, it just takes us 
you know, to match match the field and, and hopefully a little bit above. But uh, as a driver, we're just observing a very small part part of the puzzle. And I think you know, WTR has a great history of sports car racing, and this event in particular to come here. It's been very much business as usual, adapting to a new car, obviously, with the supplement of the support of some of Andretti's technical team. I think as we go along, it'll probably become much more integrated, but it's been really cool to see already, even if it's not on the timing stand, it's support is there, and if we need help, it's it's there, and there's a lot of access, which uh, has already been very, very cool to see. Uh, yeah, um, I think Rick said it all, but I think it's I think it's still early. I think I mean yeah, I think this is the first time I'm wearing the shirt with Andretti and and and, and WTR. So it's just building up, and um, I think now it was just the first time that HPD as well and Wayne Taylor Racing as a team they had time to focus on the car and and from the last test to, to now. So I think from now until Sebring, I think when we're going to start putting the hands on, and I think it will go a lot to me and Ricky and Louie and Brandon as well, to give ideas and to bring to the engineers and for sure with the Formula E team uh, with experience of electric that they have way more than what we have now. We are just starting to put more our hands in there. For sure we'll bring some ideas that it helps us to be ahead on, of the competition. So for sure we will have a lot of you know storage and, and shelves to go there and just pick on the books and choose the list that we have available so i think for sure can can only be beneficial if we know how to use it on for brendan brendan you're pretty unique amongst this driver group in having pretty extensive experience with hybrid sports cars what have you been able to bring to this group and having heard what their ambitions are for the wc are you going to stop giving that information now yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a tricky question but um <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, they've, they've definitely welcomed me in from, from the word go, and I love doing Petit Le Mans with them than last year, and I think I, I integrated well. Obviously, this year we're not competing um, against each other, and uh, I think it's been, been an open book, and there's been certain areas that I'm, that I'm contributing. Yeah, I don't really know how to answer your question better than that, because uh, yeah, when you obviously do hear that, it's, it's a complicated question to answer. But yeah, really proud to be with, with them this weekend, and as uh, it's been already mentioned, Wayne Taylor Racing has a huge history here at Daytona. I've done it. I think this is uh, my, maybe my sixth time, and I, I feel like they've maybe won half of uh, half of the Daytonas I've, I've been competing. So, yeah, they know how to win this race, and uh, really excited for the, the week ahead. Ashton, I wanted to ask you about um, you know from the standpoint of of your team and uh, being part of this group. What does that mean for the, your group that you're a part of here with with a team like this? Well, it's definitely very exciting. Um, this is actually my first time meeting Michael, so <laughs> I was excited to even get to introduce myself and, you know, being a part of Wayne Taylor Racing for the last several years has been so beneficial for me and my growth as a driver, but also being able to work with uh, Ricky and Philippe more closely on the pit stand with the 10 car and being able to be here at Daytona for the 24 hour a couple times with them. And, you know, it's exciting to bring Harrison Contracting and Racer's Edge to the, to the Daytona 24 hour for my first Rolex and I hope to win. So <laughs> I'm excited to be partnering with them and for them to be our neighbors on, uh, road i mean it's you know i never really thought that this would get to this point so i'm excited and i'm just so thankful to travis and wayne and you know harrison contracting for sticking by me and to be you know doing this with my teammates from super trofeo uh danny and kyle but also with ryan briscoe who i've been following for a while and always been giving him a hard time so i have to bring it up that every time i go anywhere with him they're like ryan ryan and i was like i'm with him i'm with ryan <laughs> <laughs> so it's exciting and uh i can't wait to get started next week 
And uh, asking a question that I got via text on behalf of uh, Nate Ryan, uh, who couldn't be here this this afternoon, but it's for Michael. Uh, just, uh, you know, you're, you kind of covered this in your opener, but general impressions on why the partnership made sense and maybe how much of a role HPD played in, in putting this together. And also what are the plans for the, uh, the, uh, Jer- for Jarrett's, uh, LMP3 team as well. HPD really had nothing to do with it. In fact, you know, we did the deal and then we told HPD afterwards. So, uh, so they, they weren't, but you know, it goes back to the same thing I said. I said, you know, we've been looking at sports cars for the last few years and the timing to get in was perfect. And, and again, how do you get in? And, and, uh, you know, when this opportunity came up, it was just a no brainer. You know, I think, uh, to come with a team like WTR, uh, uh, that's won this race so many times. I mean, what a, what a great way to just get right into it. And, you know, our plan is to let them do their job and just be here to support. And I think that's what we've been doing. And, and we got plans for the future that, you know, hopefully we're just going to make it bigger and better. And as far as the LMP3 program? Yeah, the LMP3, it's going to run through. I think Jared's going to run, I don't know, four races, I think, in that. Then he's going to do some GTD um, stuff. And then beyond that, uh, what's going to happen, I don't know. Beyond this year, we're in discussions. But uh, that's the plan for this year. Everybody, thanks thanks for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Best of luck uh, this afternoon and next week. Okay, sir, let's talk a little bit about the festivities for the Daytona 24 Hours. This will be the opening round of the IMSA series next weekend, and they are calling it the GTP series, which they used to in the 80s and 90s, IMSA GTP series. So that's very good. A grid was decided over the past weekend, and as you said, Acura took pole position, featuring drivers from three different parts of the world. Tom Blomqvist from UK, his papito is the Swedish rally legend, and interestingly, you know, his father is from Switzerland, I'm I'm sorry, from Sweden. Mama is from New Zealand, and he races under a British um, racing license, so good for him. And then we have your fellow Francais, Simon Paginot, Elio Castro-Nevis from Brazil, and local lad Colin Brown. So that's a pretty impressive um, driver uh, pairing there. And cousin Felipe Nasser qualified second in his Penske Porsche. And I saw this Penske red and white Porsche at the tech station. Uh, looks beautiful. Very nice. Then, you know, one good thing about these cars, they look very good. Do you remember 10, 15 years ago how the IRL cars and the Daytona DPI cars looked? I mean, they were so bad looking and, and sounded horrible too. So this is, I got to tell you, the global sports car scene, both here in the U.S. and World Endurance Championship, that is on a very serious uptake, and which is very, very good. And I hope Indy 500, Indy Series can also catch up to all this momentum we have for uh, motorsports going on right now. And sir, you know, um, I was uh, very happy. I had a brief chat on Saturday with a few of the old F1 Weekly friends like Italian racer Mirko Bortolotti. Uh, once he was in the Red Bull and Ferrari Junior program after winning the Italian Formula 3 in dominating fashion. Now he's uh, driving a Lamborghini. Also, I met uh, ex-F1 racer Esteban Gutierrez, who was one of the first drivers we ever interviewed and sports car racer Harry Tinknell. You know, this was the highlight for me, Mr. Rogers. I ran into Lucas Auer, and I asked him if he could help me get an audience with his uncle, and he said, let me send him a text message. 
sort of like Pedro de la Rosa, and he requested that I come back and see him an hour or so later, and then he will let me know what happened. So about an hour or two later, I approached him, a very nice and friendly kid, and he said to me that I did talk to my uncle, uh, who happens to be Gerhard Berger, and he has requested your contact information. So all this was provided, and now I'm waiting to hear Vienna calling. Come to the Tyrol region and talk to Gerhard Berger. I hope it works out, and I will do my best to do a little more action and a little more conversation with some other racing personalities in Europe. But no guarantee, but one good thing is, you know, even if I don't hear from his people this week, uh, I will see Lucas again and plead my case with him one more time. So we'll see. Good thing is, you know, I've made contact with Lucas and sooner or later we'll make this happen unless Gerhard Berger goes on the KK Rosberg program and tell me I don't talk to the media anymore. Only for me to see him do an interview at the next race. But, you know, these things happen. Okay, sir, K-Mag and Will Power out of Daytona 24 hours. K-Mag due to injury and Power due to family situation. His wife, Elizabeth, has some health issues and we wish her well. And Mr. Rogers, let's not forget this. Miss Elizabeth is the lady who helped us do the interview with Nigel Mansell at Laguna Seca some years ago when she was working for David, um, Derek Walker's racing team. And we also would like to wish full and speedy recovery to KMAC, Kevin McNewson. Okay, sir. And then what happened after Saturday on Sunday? Monte Carlo. It's a new track record for French driver Sebastian Ogier, who took his ninth victory in Monte Carlo rally. Very, very impressive. His nine wins have come with five different manufacturers. So keep up the good work to Monsieur Ogier. His Toyota teammate from Finlandia, Kali Rovanpera, who I believe last year became the youngest WRC champion, he was second. And this was the opening round of the 2023 WRC Rally Championship. And sir, there is a rally in this world. There are now actually two which are very high on my ever-shrinking bucket list. One is the East African Safari Rally. Well, they were called East African Safari Rally. Now they just call it Safari Rally. And of course, Dakar Rally has become very, very big. So hopefully, uh, you know, you know, maybe what they should do one year, a few years, do the Dakar Rally from California desert and USA to Baja and down into Mexico. That will be quite a scene. Okay, sir, on Sunday I went to St. Petersburg, which is a 20-minute drive for me, to Tropicana Field, and there was a, there are two major karting institutions, uh, not institution, but series here, Rock, R-O-K, and the other is Scusa. So last weekend, previous weekend, to the last weekend I was in Miami at the Scusa event, this was the Rock event. Met a couple of young, talented kids, and today we will feature an interview with one of them. Let's start with young man from Keystone State, also known as Pennsylvania, Mr. Chase Buscalia. Chase's dream is to be in the chase for the championship in NASCAR. My thanks to him for his time and also to Austin of Motaz Racing for his help in arranging this conversation. Please enjoy. Okay, folks, I'm here in St. Petersburg with Senor Chase Boscalia. Chase, good to meet you. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. Getting ready for the final today at Rock Cup. How are you? 
Doing very good. I'm always doing good on a race weekend. Okay, your last name is very Italian, so no surprise you are in racing. Is this your own idea or passion coming from Papa? Uh, this is my own idea. I've always loved racing since a little kid. Since I was three years old, I couldn't get out of a car. How did you discover racing? Just from watching NASCAR one day, I just discovered that I really like this sport and I want to start doing it. Is NASCAR the goal? Yeah. Yeah, NASCAR is definitely the goal. I've always watched NASCAR. Uh, I've always liked it, so I definitely want to race in NASCAR one day. Okay, cool. Okay, um, was interest for racing love at first drive when you first got into a go-kart or took some time to develop the interest? Oh, I've always loved racing. Like, from the first time I've been in the car, I've discovered that I never want to stop. I've always loved it. Mom and Dad fully behind your efforts? Oh, yeah, definitely. Always. Um, karting started and is very big in California and Florida. How big is the karting scene in your home state of PA? In PA, it's pretty big with oval and dirt racing. Is That's what I used to do. I used to do quarter midgets when I was like around top three in the nation since I first started. Now, tell me, what is more difficult to win or harder to win, oval racing or road racing? Definitely road racing because a lot of the competition, it's a different racing style. Competition's a lot different. Passing's different. Line's different. Everything about both of them is different. Okay. And how old were you when you started racing? Uh, six years old. Six years old. And how old are you now? Fourteen. Okay, cool. Uh, so tell us about your achievements so far over the years. Overall, I've been champion like state and oval and uh, national. I've won a few national races in oval and then uh, pole at a world championship and top five at a world championship and then top five at state championship in karting. Okay, uh, when you do oval races in karting, how long are the tracks? They're about like five seconds long for oval racing and then for karting uh, about like 30 to 45 seconds long. Oh, interesting. Okay, do you have a, a driver coach and who is driving and managing your uh, uh, career at this time? Managing my career for sponsors, I'd like to thank Stave and then um, my mechanic Mike over there is helping me a lot and Austin Reichel is my other mechanic. Gentleman standing right here. Yeah. Cool. Okay, have you ever done... He's been with me since... 2021. He helps me so much with where I am today. And are you one of those guys who always listen? Yeah. Okay, I'll check with Austin. Okay, um, have you done any racing outside the United States? Yeah, I've done it at Spain for the T4 Nations Cup where I got pole and I was top three the whole weekend. What track was Verza? It was at, it's at Valencia. Yeah. How did you find the competition in Europe? It was pretty good. It's pretty tough competition. It was a lot different than it was in the U.S. A lot more rubber on the track. Different than the U.S. Okay. And here racing in the U.S., um, tell us about the series you are taking part this year, and who do you see as your uh, biggest challengers? The biggest challenger is definitely my teammate Enzo over here. A lot of my friends on track. The biggest challenges are definitely like the different tracks I'm going to go to this year. I mean, that's it. Like okay, now you mentioned your goal is NASCAR. We wish you all the best. So, in you know, like in singles heaters, you have Formula 4, um, Formula 3 stuff, or US 2000. What's the stepping stone for a young kid, and uh, what stage do you want to go into uh, tin top? The next stage I want to go to after karting is either Legend Cars or Mazda MX-5. And that prepares you well for uh, oval racing? Yeah.
it prepares me for NASCAR road course and NASCAR oval. Yeah, they're doing a lot of road races. Okay, I appreciate your time. Will you please tell our listeners about your social media so they can follow your career? Yeah, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and then... And who is your favorite in uh, NASCAR, Haley Deegan or Rowdy Bush? Uh, Kyle Larson. (laughs) Yeah, he is very good, special talent. Okay, thank you so much. Chase, thanks for joining F1Weekly.com. Nasser? Red Bull Jr. is charging ahead in 2023. Driver signing. Sebastian Montoya, also known as Mini Monty, has been signed into the Red Bull Jr. program. This is an interesting signing because last year Sebastian raced in Formula Regional Europe, which is basically what Formula Renault Eurocup used to be, and he finished 13th in the championship. Not exactly what the doctor is looking for, but his papa did race for Dr. Marco's team back in his Formula 3000 days. Another apple that is rolling down the orchard after falling from the tree is Eduardo Barrichello, also known as Dudu Barrichello. He did a wee bit better than Sebastian last year in the same series and finished 11th. The championship was won by Dino Biganovic. He is now in the Ferrari Driver Academy. This guy is, uh, Dino's family is originally from Bosnia. And this kid is very, very good. I watched him last year. And this year he's doing very well. He's racing, you know, this uh, UAE Formula Regional and UAE Formula 4 is going on. Actually, they're going to race. The second round will be in Kuwait. Uh, this coming weekend and all these races are available on uh, youtube uh, but this i think is a very good talent who will go places and sir now our main feature on the road again going places that i've never been seeing things that i may never see again i can't wait to get on the road again rubber meets the road When you go on the road again, today we will look at different tire suppliers from the beginning of the Formula 1 World Championship. Some of them, not all of them. We shall start with Bridgestone. After the global success of Japanese manufacturers like Honda and Toyota, it was only a matter of time before a Japanese tire manufacturer came into top tier of motor racing. The halcyon days of Bridgestone were with Michael Schumacher and Jean Todt at Ferrari. You know, there was a time when they did not have all these restrictions on testing, and this was said to me by a Bridgestone engineer. They had a test team for Bridgestone tires, okay? Then they had another test team that was for the Ferrari team and all that, whatever parts they would develop, and then they also had the test operation for the Formula 1 team. So basically they were running three separate test programs at the same time. And no wonder they became so successful. But you do whatever it takes. Today Bridgestone are no longer involved in Formula 1 but provide uh, tires in IndyCar racing through their Firestone brand. The company was started by Ishibashi family. Ishibashi in Japanese means stone bridge. They reversed their name for their company. I wonder how Dr. Harvey felt about that. So have you ever uh, ridden any of your Traction Avant or uh, Peugeot Caravelle on Bridgestone? Never, sir. That would be sacrilege. Only Michelin? Oui, monsieur. Okay, good for you, sir. 
Okay, now we come to Firestone. Once upon a time, they were the big, big kahuna of motor racing, especially in the United States. And I got to tell you, man, my earliest memories as a five, six-year-old kid is of looking at Firestone ads in Time and Life magazine. And they used to run these two-page ads that's showing all the cars. In those days, almost every Indy 500 was won by uh, Firestone Tire. And I'll never forget a big spread of Graham Hill's American Red Ball Lola was once featured. And he won that race in 66. So I have an affinity for Firestone from those days. Their biggest contribution to Formula 1, which continues to this day, is the slick tire, which they introduced to Formula 1 based on their experience with such tires in American drag racing. The first race for a slick tire in Formula 1 was the 1971 Spanish Grand Prix at Montjuic Park in Barcelona. And you know, both Firestone and Goodyear started from Akron, Ohio, and I believe Firestone, which is now part of Bridgestone, they are based, I believe, in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think Goodyear has also moved their corporate offices from uh, Akron. And we will talk about Goodyear now. For decades, they played second banana to Firestone. Then came the 1965 Mexican Grand Prix. And Richie Ginther from SoCal gave them and Honda first taste of success in Formula One. The men from Akron, Ohio, were uber-successful in Formula 1, winning 368 Grand Prix races. The Japanese Grand Prix in 1998 was the final appearance for Goodyear in Formula 1 racing. And sir, back in the 80s and 90s, do you remember they had a gentleman by the name of Lee Gogg, who was the head of their Formula 1 tire program? Indeed. Yeah, he was interviewed every now and then, and once I ran into him at an uh, IndyCar race and had a brief chat with him. So that was interesting. Okay, now we come to Pirelli. Pirelli started out in Milano in 1872. They are as Italian as spaghetti, but are now owned by a Chinese company, an exclusive tire supplier to Formula One these days. They won the first four Formula One championships. Since then, they have done a Honda in and out of Grand Prix racing. In 1985 at Paul Rica, Nelson Piquet gave them the first F1 victory since 1957 in that beautiful blue and white Parmalat Brabham BMW. In 1986, Gerhard Berger took his first victory in a Benetton riding on Pirelli Cinturato. And that will do for Rubber Meets the Road, which brings us to Musical Mondial, and we will leave the final mile to Mr. Chris Freer. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy The Road to Hell. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, I'm standing by a river But the water doesn't flow It boils with every poison You can think of
road to hell. 